Thank you for tuning in to Profit to the Nation Automillers Podcast. We are getting ready to get started. Thank you. 
podcast we're going to get started we have a lot to cover today and this came on my heart this morning actually when i woke up it was already being sent to me there was a few of my brothers and sisters of christ has sent me some information about where we're headed here in america nations against nation the bible speaks about that we are seeing it manifest right now as we are headed to um you know we're in perilous times this is what to be expected a lot of you that don't know what's going on this is for you um you know the best advice i can give you is make sure that you're living ready (laughs) live ready that means you have jesus christ as your personal savior um and you're doing the things that you need to be doing as god called you as he called you to be Uh, what's your plan and his purpose for your life you don't know jesus as your personal savior um you could do so today at the end of the show we are going to be inviting giving you invitation to christ and it's very important that you secure your eternity because we are in the last days and everything is playing out right before our eyes so we want to uh inform you thank you uh christina for coming in we want to inform you what is going on and just just let you guys know when the notification goes out don't ever feel like you got to be obligated to tune in or or anything like that. I understand like during the daytime, our schedules are different than yours. It's just a notification that just goes out. Um, you, the, there's no requirement for you guys, for any of you guys got to be here, but I appreciate those that do show up. Um, if you can catch the replay on some time, maybe sometime, you might not be the time for you to listen right now. Maybe come back later, but trust me, some of these uh, podcasts you don't want to miss because I'm always giving information. I'm always going to keep you informed of where we're at, what direction that we're going and what God is saying and what needs to be done in the body of Christ. Okay, so we're going to hop right into it. There's a lot of stuff in this in this particular um, notification video on about Biden has put the world on edge of World War Three. And I just this is not a political this is not a political agenda that I have. I don't want people thinking, oh, you know, well, what side are we on? We always say this. Profit to the nation dresses nation issues. So as soon as y'all understand that, y'all understand how I get used by God and what my ministry is about, okay? Because some of y'all get very upset with me on certain nation topics and, and political issues and different things, but this is my calling. As soon as we understand that, some of y'all understand that, y'all get it. Okay, I'm not here to argue and tell you what party to pick and this and that. No, we're not doing that. We're looking at the facts. We're going to sense out what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and what direction is the Holy Ghost telling us, you know, how to intercede and warfare and so forth. So this is what um, this one of the one of the direction this ministry um, is about. So I thank you for being here today. I want you to listen to I did not have no idea that Obama. Now, listen, these analysts, 
to give us this political information that knows what's going on in the White House or have a sense of direction and or knows who 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 and somebody's slipping them the the information so it can get out to the public. We thank God for them. Listen, we are not experts. We're not political es- experts, but God will lead us to the direction. The people who know the information. So when people say, "Well, that ain't true," we don't know. Well, we don't really know, but we trust that. We trust that the Lord is leading us into the information that we need to know so we can have an idea of what's going on. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us what is going on in the nation. Okay, guys? So these people, they've been around for a very long time. And um, and what I noticed before we get ready to start this is these political, long career politicians, when they get a vendetta or, or they get, you know, they're after a particular nation. It may take decades for them to get what they want done, what their agenda is, but eventually they'll do their hardest to try to get it done. And, and I did not know that when we're getting ready to listen to some of these past presidents and administrations are involved in these current issues today. So we can't be so naive either. Once they're out of office, we think, you know, okay, on to the next one. They, these people got political, you know, agendas that's leading our nation and not the direction that God has wanted us into. But here we are. So nations against nations. Okay, let's just check it out. Thank you, Christina, for tuning in. We thank you today. We thank you for all the listeners yesterday. It was a good show yesterday. Uh, about 33,500 people tuned in. We had uh, 900 some listeners that automatically stayed. Okay, thank you so much. Please share and please comment below. Here, let's get the... Uh... Hello and welcome to Hindustan Times. And this is where I found today it. is the one-year anniversary of Russia's Ukraine invasion. In the run-up to D-Day, U.S. President Joe Biden landed in Kiev for a photo op and promised to stand by Ukraine as long as it takes, quote-unquote. Now, soon after that, Russian President Putin addressed the nation. He said Russia was fighting for its very existence and used the occasion to literally rip up the last nuclear treaty with the U.S. Now, both these developments indicate that the war is set to continue for now, or at least till one side inflicts defeat on the other side. Now, I am joined by Dr. Lawrence Selim. Uh, he's a retired U.S. Army colonel who is a veteran of Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, to get a sense of the mood in the U.S. with regard to the Ukraine war, one year since the conflict began. Uh, Dr. Selin, it's been a year. Thousands of uh, people have died. Inflation has spiraled. Many nations are facing a catastrophic debt crisis. Uh, food security, uh, food green security has gone for a toss. But there seems no end in sight. As someone who has always called a spade a spade, who do you think is benefiting from this war, really? Well, I think the only... Uh ones that are benefiting from this war uh, are the Chinese Communist Party and the uh, globalists around, for example, the World Economic Forum. I think, first of all, uh, people should understand that we need to really discount uh, Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden's only connection to Ukraine is uh, the alleged criminal activity he has with his son. Uh, Actually, those who are calling the shots are Barack Obama and the people around him are making uh, the major decisions. Now, there are two historical aspects 
that people uh, need to understand to uh, understand the, the Ukraine situation uh, we face at the moment. Uh, first of all, uh, there are a lot of ambiguities historically around the Eastern movement of, of NATO. And this has caused a lot of misunderstanding and in particular mistrust uh, by, by the Russians. Now, the second aspect is, is a personal feud uh, between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton on one side and uh, Vladimir Putin on the other. Now, this has an ideological component, which is uh, globalism or communism, if you will, uh, represented by Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and nationalism uh, represented by President Vladimir uh, Putin of Russia. Okay, um, so what I what I hear you saying is that uh, uh, you know because you have been pretty critical of uh, uh, Joe Biden's five-hour KF stopover stopover earlier this week. I I I, I want to talk talk to you about uh, your comment on how CCP is benefiting from this. But uh, before that, uh, let's just talk about what you made out of that of that surprise visit by Joe Biden earlier this week in the run-up to this one-year anniversary of the war? Well, that was just a, a photo opportunity for Joe Biden. And you, probably everybody noticed uh, that there were uh, air raid sirens going off. And I think that was basically uh, part of the show. Uh, what, what disturbs me about this whole affair uh, from the American side, from the Biden regime, is that they have made absolutely no effort towards peace negotiations. In fact, they've done quite, quite the, the opposite. Uh, early in the war, it's been reported that uh, former Israeli Prime Minister Bennett was in negotiations uh, with the Ukrainians and with the Russians and actually had some kind of preliminary agreement uh, for the beginning of these peace negotiations between those two sides. But apparently, uh, Joe Biden and, and the United States uh, regime that is currently in power, I guess, together with uh, other Western countries, uh, squashed that effort because they wanted to pursue this war and they wanted to put pressure on, on Putin. And uh, uh, from what we hear is that they're not just interested in winning the war, they're interested in regime uh, change in Russia. Now, you follow that with uh, the the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline, which I think all reasonable people who have looked at the evidence points to uh, a decision by the Biden regime to, to cut off the natural gas supply from Russia to Western Europe. So he's also responsible for escalating the situation by destroying the Nord Stream pipeline. Okay, that's, that's, that's a number of things you've taken up in that answer. But first, I want to start with uh, your your thing about uh, uh, Naftali Bennett and this uh, uh, squashed peace deal that was supposedly going to take place sometime in April. Uh, I, I, I as as Naftali Bennett said in an interview uh, posted on his YouTube channel uh, earlier last week that the U.S. and the Western allies blocked his efforts of mediating between Russia and Ukraine, and that was not an outcome that he wanted for that to happen, but he's now come out and be open about it. And you are saying that, uh, uh, you know, 
do you believe that actually happens are you uh, and why do you think uh, the west especially biden uh, and the us would want to block uh, this peace deal uh, what's the benefit that they're gaining out of that well they want ukraine to defeat uh, russia but beyond that they they've stated uh, that they want a regime change in Russia to remove uh, a Vladimir uh, Putin from power. And as I said earlier, you know, it's just, it's not just Joe Biden. I mean, he's, to, for all intents and purposes, he's just a mouthpiece. And it goes back to what I said earlier, that there's a, basically a personal feud between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, uh, particularly Barack Obama, because he's making the decisions in the United States now you know, against Vladimir Putin. So, uh, you know, they're, they want something well beyond the survival of Ukraine as an independent country. They want to uh, change uh, the government in Russia as well. Uh, could this be a, a little bit more about the domestic economy and politics too? Because there is a war economy that is flourishing in the United States. Well, it certainly distracts from all the problems in the, in the United States. As you know, uh, there's huge inflation in the United States because they're they're printing more money uh, and 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 spending that money uh, like drunken sailors. So uh, it's it's drove, driven up the price uh, of of foodstuffs uh, and and certainly because they've cut off. Uh, uh, gasoline and natural gas production in the United States, uh, the price of, of gasoline at the pump has gone way up as well. So people are suffering. But in a way, this this war is, is a distraction from all the problems that the Biden regime has created, not to mention the invasion on our southern border. So they see it not only as a, as a way to uh, distract from the problems they themselves have created, but again, we they have this feud against Vladimir Putin, and they want to uh, defeat the Russian military and, and create regime change uh, in Russia itself. Um, that is, that is uh, you know, a lot of, uh, but the West, you know, contrary to what you're saying, the, a lot of Western media and, of course, Western leaders, they uh, have these things that it's, and, and this is a fact that it is actually Russia that invaded Ukraine. Um, you know, how do you, to apportion the blame towards one side may not really be the right thing to do, is it? Well, again, let's look at the history of the, the eastward movement of NATO. Uh, in 1990, when the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, the Warsaw Pact, Eastern European countries, uh, that Warsaw Pact dissolved, uh, there was actually uh, discussions between uh, the United States in particular and Western countries uh, and Russia, but there was only one actual treaty that was signed, and that treaty only dealt with the, the disposition of NATO troops in East Germany. So it didn't affect any other part of, of, of Eastern Europe. Now, at the time, uh, Jim Baker, who was the Secretary of State under George H.W. Bush, uh, gave uh, assurances to the Russians that there would be no uh, eastward movement uh, of NATO. And this was also reinforced by Helmut Kohl, who was the Chancellor of Germany, and, and uh, also the, the Prime Minister uh, of the UK at the time said the same thing. So uh, Russians were, were basing 
the entire issue of NATO uh, on these assurances that they felt there would be no eastward movement of NATO, yet that yet there has been. And so this created a great deal of mistrust uh, with the Russians. And this was brought out in a speech uh, in the Munich conference in 2007 by Vladimir Putin himself. But on the Russian side, they confused the issue themselves because uh, uh, Boris Yeltsin essentially gave permission uh, for Poland to join NATO. So as I said earlier, there's a lot of ambiguity around this and it has led to misunderstandings and, and uh, mistrust. Uh, but also the United States has, as you know, in, in 2013 and 2014, uh, there was a, essentially a revolution in the Ukraine, which many people believe was instigated uh, by the United States. They removed the pro-Russian uh, president, uh, uh, Yanukovych, and, and replaced him with Poroshenko, who was more pro-Western. And this eventually led Russia to move into the Crimea and also do a, uh, a, 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 an invasion of, of eastern Ukraine, in particular the Donbass region. So all these different factors have, have played into our current situation. All right, uh, you know, uh, let's just shift focus to, the, uh, to, to, to what's happening here and now. Uh, I was going through your Twitter timely, timeline and you have uh, unequivocally a word of a World War III scenario uh, developing with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, uh, especially uh, after, uh, you know, given that Putin has now literally ripped up the last remaining nuclear deal with the United States. Uh, how do you see, uh, how do you see, do you see an actual potential threat of a nuclear uh, uh, fallout uh, of this of this conflict? Well, yes, indeed, because we've gone from escalation to escalation. And as I said earlier, there's been no effort whatsoever about uh, beginning uh, peace negotiations between U Ukraine and Russia. So uh, it's, it's like an August 1914 situation where one thing led to another and they were, uh, you know, driven towards the beginning of, of World War One. And I think the same kind of mixed miscalculations uh, can happen in, in, in such a situation where there's so much mistrust and misunderstanding between uh, the, the West and, and Russia at, at this time. So it's a real danger. Uh, you know, I have proposed uh, some a type of what I call a winter war solution uh, to this. Uh, as you may know, in 1939, the Soviet Union invaded Finland. Uh, Finland fought back uh, to uh, to a standstill, uh, but eventually had to sign a peace agreement with the Soviet Union. But the important thing was that Finland maintained its independence. So I, I think there, there, there's a basis of negotiation, in particular uh, on previous the, the Budapest and, and the Minsk agreements, uh, which could provide that basis for negotiations, that nothing is, is being done in that direction. And that's why this such a danger of pot potentially starting World War III, or I should say stumbling into World War III and perhaps a nuclear conflict. That's just very scary indeed. And of course, the war needs to stop and there is no, uh, there is no uh, you know, two opinions about it as far as the masses are concerned. But you're saying, uh, and you started this interview by saying that the uh, Chinese Communist Party and and uh, uh, you know, big nations are the ones who are benefiting uh, the uh, 
economically uh, via this war. Why do you say so? Well, because uh, China is, is importing very cheap uh, oil and natural gas from uh, from Russia at the moment. They're also uh, exporting uh, weapons to uh, to Russia in support of their Russia's effort in the Ukraine. I've been monitoring the rail traffic between China and Russia, and there seems to be an increase in terms of what is uh, train traffic between uh, military depots or storage centers in China with uh, logistics hubs uh, in Russia. So there's a lot of activity there and an alliance between Russia uh, and, and the Chinese Communist Party, China, would be very dangerous for all the democracies in the world. And I think India is one of those countries who have traditionally been threatened by China. And, uh, you know, Chinese ascendancy in this case, benefiting from the situation in Ukraine, uh, can only hurt uh, all the democracies. All right. What, what role do you think India can or should be playing um, uh, given that it's now assumed, also assumed G20 presidency, but that's only for a year. But what role do you think uh, uh, India should be playing or is playing, uh, uh, you know, as far as this war, this conflict situation is concerned? And what more can it do to end this conflict? Well, I think India can play a very important role in resolving this conflict. Uh, of course, India is the largest democracy in the world. It can represent all the democracies uh, in the globe, uh, but also India has traditionally had a very good relationship initially with the Soviet Union, but also that's extended uh, to Russia. So I think uh, India immediately has a, a, a good uh, rapport with, uh, with one of the parties in, in this conflict. So uh, I, I'm hoping that India will step up, in particular Prime Minister Modi, who's highly respected throughout the world, uh, could play a very important role in initiating peace negotiations. All right, uh, could play a very important role in initiating peace uh, negotiations. That is something uh, that that we also heard from some Ukrainian MPs that I was speaking to yesterday. But that's that apart. Uh, the fact is that many of the analysts that I spoke to uh, pointed towards the U.S. and said that the only the U.S. can put an end to this war, not Russia, not Ukraine, uh, not anybody else, because Russia has already gone in too deep. They're not going to be stepping back right now from this stage. Uh, Ukraine, of course, completely dependent on uh, on on the US and Europe for its uh, arms, for ammunition, for everything, basically to battle Russia on the ground. And the US, they say, has, is the real, is the real, uh, you know, the, the, the person with the, or the country with the uh, ace up its sleeve because they are the only ones who can actually uh, maybe make a plan, stop arming Ukraine, get Putin down to the negotiating table. What do you think? Well, I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, Biden's speech uh, just uh, this week has pointed to the fact that they're going to keep supplying weapons to Ukraine until Russia is defeated and there's regime change uh, in, in Moscow. So I, I think it's, it's essential that outside parties, again, in particular India, which is a, a large country with good relationship with, with Russia, uh, is in a position to, to initiate these negotiations because I don't think at this point, uh, th this particular, the Biden regime is gonna do anything in the direction 
of peace negotiations. So as we tumble towards a, a very dangerous, potentially World War III situation, other parties uh, like India need to step up and, and, and intervene in this and push uh, peace negotiations between Russia and Ukraine. One of the things, uh, sir, that you talked about earlier was the fact that, um, uh, you know, the, the growing fears that China is arming Russia in this whole process uh, and laughing all the way to the bank also. Uh, and that's something that Anthony Blinken also told his Chinese counterpart, Wong Lee, when he met, met, when he met him recently. Uh, what is America's plan B in that case? If China starts arming Russia and openly, what is America's plan B in that case? Well, it's, it's probably the same as the EU. As you know, the EU has said that this is a red line, that uh, if, uh, if China begins arming uh, Russia in, in this particular conflict, that it'll escalate to, uh, I don't know, who knows where, uh, what the type of escalation the uh, European Union is talking about. So we're in a highly dangerous situation, and at least from the, the monitoring I have done, in terms of the rail traffic from China to Russia, it appears that uh, China may already be uh, arming uh, the, the Russians, in particular for this new uh, expected uh, large offensive that uh, Russia is supposed to launch, uh, perhaps within the coming weeks. All right. Then how do you how do you how do you see that playing out? Well, we're either going to have an escalation to maybe a third world war, or somebody is going to step in with some common sense to uh, bring these two parties together into peace negotiations. And I think it starts uh, by a ceasefire in, in place. And I think they have to be willing to compromise in terms of, uh, you know, Russia will probably never leave uh, Crimea. And I, I think there needs to be uh, internationally monitored uh, elections for eastern ukraine so uh, but uh, i think it's also important that uh, ukraine uh, maintains its independence and is allowed to join the european union but i think the the probability that uh, ukraine can join nato is is probably out of the question certainly out of the question for russians Right. Uh, as a war veteran, I wanted to get your view on how you see this war ending the, or the end game as far as, uh, okay, fine, if they get down on our table, what would a peace deal, according to you, look like at this point in time, uh, in case that is, they're able to thrash that one out? What would Putin want? Because obviously for him, uh, uh, he's already uh, uh, sort of declared four regions uh, uh, of Ukraine as part of the Russian Federation now, uh, would would that status quo, uh, you know, appeal to him in this case? Because clearly, regime change is not in Ukraine. Was what he he had been talking about the denazification of new Ukraine, the demilitarization of new Ukraine. Um, uh, what do you think would appeal to him as a peace deal if brokered today? Well, I, I think we need something that appeals to both sides. Certainly, Ukrainian independence is, is primary. And as I said earlier, uh, perhaps joining uh, the European Union, NATO is out of the question for, for Ukraine, at least at this point. I don't see Russia ever giving up Crimea. And I think this, there's so much, uh, so much uh, dispute within eastern Ukraine because you have 
uh, Russian speakers there or people who identify with Russia mixed in with, with Ukrainians. And that's why I say there needs to be some kind of internationally monitored plebiscite there to decide, you know, whether they're going to stay in Ukraine or whether they're going to become uh, part of Russia. But as I said earlier, a lot of the basis for uh, a peace negotiation has already been uh, within the Budapest and Minsk agreements. And I think they need to go back to that. Uh, both sides apparently have violated those uh, agreements. So we need to step back and, and, and relook at them. Uh, but I Primarily, right now, in order to prevent escalation towards World War III and nuclear conflict, we need a ceasefire in place. Need a ceasefire in place. Who, who do you think? You talked about a plebiscite, uh, an internationally monitored plebiscite. Obviously, the U.S. will play a key role in that. Uh, uh, how, how do you think it's going to play? Uh, who do you think should be monitoring uh, and, and, and taking these talks forward uh, if there were to talks to happen? Well, I think the, prob uh, probably yeah. the United Nations w would play a role in that, but I think we need uh, countries with experience uh, in democracies like India getting directly involved in, in something like that uh, and r being relatively a neutral party in this is in this conflict. So I think there's a, a, a lot of room for uh, important countries to play in, in monitoring such a plebiscite. But it, it is really key that it is a free and fair election, uh, that it's not uh, rigged in any way by either side. My last question to you: Do you believe that? Uh, do you believe that a new world order will emerge, uh, whichever they, oh. uh, you know, whichever way this ends? I I don't know whether uh, a, a, a UN UN monitored plebiscite um, or any peace deal can be negotiated, or what shape it will. Uh, take uh, favoring which country, but do you believe that Russia, uh, because of the isolation it faces from the Western nations, and then there's the global South, which is sort of divided as far as uh, how this, uh, you know, who's to blame for this uh, ongoing conflict uh, in Ukraine, because they're dealing with their own own problems because of this conflict. Um, how how do you how are you seeing the emerging world order. Is this going to be a defining moment for a new world order to emerge, whichever way it goes? Well, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, I think the most important thing at this point is, is to address Russia's security concerns in terms of their mistrust about the eastward movement of NATO and, and you know, w weapons and even nuclear weapons on, on their border. But also there's a concern on the other side these Eastern European countries have a traditional and, and uh, correct fear uh, of Russian aggression, Russian oppression, uh, given that the Soviet Union uh, controlled Eastern Europe uh, for you know 40 years after uh, World War II. Uh, so there are concerns on both sides to be addressed. I, I think we need to focus on the immediate problem before we decide, uh, you know, what any new world order uh, will look right. like, because anything in the future will be determined by the present. All right, anything in the future will be determined by the present, and you're absolutely right, so I'm not going to ask you to crystal gaze any longer, but uh, yes, uh, as you rightly pointed out, 
someone needs to step up and end this war because it is taking a toll not just on russia ukraine and the thousands of people dying there but across the world uh you know across the world it's the, the inflations are rising inflation is rising the debt crisis is rising and global supply routes supply routes have been hampered so something needs to give it's been a year of the war and something needs to give somewhere thank you so much sir for joining us thank you for talking to us and our end of uh, talking to our viewers uh viewers okay i'm stopping right there i have a 5 minute when i want you guys to listen real quick before we go um wow wow just wow um if you guys want to reply back to each other you hit the face icon and hit the i button i mean hit the uh at button and that's how you reply back to each other but um man you, you know it, it, i didn't even really thought about it till right now that uh united states isn't pushing for peace you know normally normally we do right but we're not pushing for peace at all okay we're going to check this out it's only it's only a few minutes here hold on a second Colonel, the day following. Um, this got sent to me this morning, and I want you guys to see again. And you know, and Obama's out of office, right? And he still called the shots. <laughs> what do you say? He said Joe Biden's just a mouthpiece, but they're still calling. Still calling Prime shoppers. Are you still oh, using Prime? Because at this point, sorry guys. Um, this is why I need more than one person when I do these podcasts, because my hands need to be free. Yeah, but he's still calling the shots. You heard that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about that. How many of you guys thought about that? He's out of office and still calling a shot, and he has a – him and Hillary have kind of like a little thing, you know, a little beef. Okay, what's well, really good? See, this is why we really need to be paying attention, and, oh, man, it's a lot going on. But we're going to get through it in Jesus' name. But we definitely have to be ready, um, you know, be ready for those – um what's to come and um give me one second guys one second all right here we go here we go guys here i will host every member of nato for our 2024 summit in the united states Together, we'll celebrate the 75th anniversary of the strongest defensive alliance in the history of the world, NATO. And let there be no doubt, the commitment of the United States to our NATO alliance and Article 5 is rock solid. And every member of NATO knows it, and Russia knows it as well. An attack against one is attack against all. It's a sacred oath, sacred oath to defend every inch of NATO territory. Well, last I checked, Ukraine is not NATO. Uh, the NATO alliance has moved closer to Russia uh, inch by inch. With us now to talk about this is former state senator from Virginia, Senator Richard Black. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. Um, you Thank have a you. lot of experience in the military. Your formal, former uh, colonel also was in the Marines. Uh, you've got a lot of insight into this. What? I mean, I feel like we're headed into a serious, serious world war. Either that or a very, uh, a very, very cold war. Which one do you think it's going to be? Uh, 
my projection is that it will be a hot war. Uh, I think we have had this on the burner uh, since 2014 when uh, President Barack Obama authorized a coup that overthrew the elected government of Ukraine and installed a revolutionary junta. Afterwards, we began flooding them with, uh, with uh, very advanced weapons. We built up a very robust Ukrainian armed forces, and, uh, and they commenced a war against the, the Russian-speaking areas on the border, principally the Donbass Republic. And uh, there were 14,000 people who died before Russia ever got involved in the war. So they, Russia hated to get into this war, and they delayed and delayed and delayed, and they tried to work out arrangements with NATO where NATO would would stop its its interference right up to the border. And but I think the decision, you know, decisions on war don't just come up spontaneously the way we think they do in the movies. They're they're usually ge geopolitical maneuvers that are planned sometimes decades in advance, but at least 10 years in advance. And I think this one was. And where it leads us now is we've seen this, this inevitable escalation where we debated, well, will we send, you know, certain weapons there? And we've gone from missiles and we've gone to HIMARS, uh, guided rockets, and now we're up to tanks. It seems fairly clear to me we're going through this little two-step uh, propaganda movement where we're saying, well, we, we really don't want to send the jets, but other people want to send the jets. Eventually, we're going to send the jets. Uh, just just uh, last night, I ran across an article where Britain is going to provide advanced cruise missiles with a range of 180 miles so that these things can be put on the Russian border. We can actually uh, attack deep into Russia itself. And, you know, at, at a certain point you say, okay, what's the next thing? The next thing is tactical nuclear weapons. We're giving away these gold bars absolutely free. And did you notice who's on it? That's right. None one second, guys. We got one quick commercial and that's it. Thank you. Yeah, so, um, you know, it seems to be easy for for NATO, for Biden to march us towards a war with Russia when it's not near our soil. You know, it's not going to be fought on American soil. It's going to be over there. You're talking about launching missiles deep into Russia. Russia would be looking at potentially attacking Europe. Um, so, so that, you know, whenever we can get into a war, as long as it's somewhere else, right, that's what we've seen all throughout the Middle East. It was just somewhere yeah. else. So it doesn't really affect us over here. Um, what are the chances you think that it will escalate to a point where we're actually attacked here on U.S. soil? What would that look like? Would that mean China has to get involved or North Korea has to get involved and they're launching their missiles at us on the West Coast here where I am, which is very scary? Or, you know, how do you see that that playing out? Because it seems to me that if I were in Russia's position, for example, if I were looking at it from their strategic vantage point, I would think, the only way to prevent this is to is to make the other side also fear losing something serious. 
uh, seems to be yeah, the only way yeah, to you, stop the escalation. Yeah, your, your analysis is pretty good. They, look, uh, Great Britain has resisted invasion since the Norman Conquest, which was in 1050 or so, 1047. And uh, uh, even, even Germany under Hitler could not cross 21 miles of English Strait. People have actually swum the, you know, they, they, good swimmers go across the English Channel. There are 5,000 miles between us and Russia. There are 6,000 miles between us and China. The only possibility, the only threat that we face from overseas is a thermonuclear threat. It is a genuine threat because I know there are people in, uh, in the Pentagon and, and elsewhere who think, well, if we launched a surprise attack, we could knock out all of their all of their missiles and so forth. Problem is, they now have hypersonic missiles that on a moment's notice can fly and they can actually uh, hit places in the United States, hit places in Europe. There, there is no defense because they fly at such a speed that there's nothing that can catch up with them. Also, we have, uh, we have Russian uh, submarines with carrying, you know, over a hundred missiles, uh, not missiles, but a hundred warheads. And they can rain down destruction on New York, on San Francisco, on Washington, D.C., and, uh, and of course, all of the capitals of Europe. Uh, they don't want to do this, uh, but we're pushing them further and further. And what's happening now is you've got a lot of very smart people in the Pentagon, in the State Department, in London, NATO, but they're acting like lemmings, where there's a feeling like, well, we can do this extraordinarily reckless thing, but you know, Joe and Sam and Kathy, they think it's okay, so I guess everything is fine. And meanwhile, we're charging across a cliff like the lemmings. Everybody thinking, well, everybody else says it's okay, and, and the next thing, you're over the cliff. It's, we have never faced a threat of thermonuclear war uh, that ever compared to this and i'm i'm including you know i i lived through the uh through the uh cuban missile crisis i actually saw troops moving through the state of florida to go and invade cuba so i know what it is uh and, and i used to you know i used to cover myself in when i was a little boy we'd jump under the desks and we'd cover ourselves what we're faced today the american people are totally unaware of it. It is it is a hundred times more dangerous than what we encountered back when I was a little boy. It's genuine. And we keep pushing the line further and further. What do you think the agenda is? Um, who is behind wanting to push this line where if this has been decided, as you say, a decade ago, 2014, they were really deciding on, okay, we're going to march ourselves towards a war with Russia. What would be the reason for it? I think there's a desire to weaken Russia. Um, I think there are certain certain global interests. There are global oligarchs who who look with tr 
tremendous interest at the enormous wealth of, uh, of Russia. Uh, Russia has uh, natural resources that are beyond our, our wildest dreams. Um, few people are aware of the enormous uh, exports of natural resources. They're the number one exporter of lumber, of wheat, of fertilizer, of natural gas. They're huge exporters of oil, of aluminum. It just goes on and on, cobalt, manganese, all sorts of things. And there are people who say, look, you know, if I could, if I could somehow get control or get a big interest in the, in the oil or the gas or the lumber, I could be a trillionaire. And I think some of those people have an influence over the American government. Uh, it's it's uh, the American people get nothing. We get absolutely nothing from this. We get the bills. We're, we're the bill payers, uh, but uh, but we get nothing out of it. It doesn't serve any any legitimate national interest of the United States to be involved in the war. Right. right. Yeah. Well, especially if we start sending over troops and we're going to be, um, you know, and then we've got uh, coffins coming home. It's not. Wow. I, I don't know why they would think that this is a good idea. Part of me thinks that this isn't really going to happen, that this is actually sort of a that 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 Russia and the United States are sort of in on it. You know, there's there's kind of a question about even the Cold War, that the USSR and the United States sort of manufactured the Cold War in order to have the arms race and and a space race. I mean, it was just really good for industry fundamentally without even having to fire a shot. And so there's kind of this thinking that maybe we're sort of just redoing the same play where it's, yeah, we're amping up rhetoric, making it sound like there's going to be a real true war. I mean, clearly there is an actual war going on in Ukraine, but this, the idea that, that NATO's really truly going to get involved, it's really just a matter of escalating really for industry, really for kind of, you know, forces that we don't really fully understand, um, how, you know, great reset or something that is, trying to march us towards a different place and that this is all just theater. I, I, I don't know if, you know, or, or because it's just so hard to, it's hard to grasp why there would be any sort of hot war, what the benefit of a hot war would be with Russia or even China for that matter. They keep talking right. about going in, you know, threatening China or posturing against China because of Taiwan. And, you know, this just really remains a question. What is the actual benefit these days? If you're not going to, if you're not looking to conquer land, you know, back in the back in the days, I mean, it was you go to war because you're trying to take something. But now, are they really, truly trying to is there a thinking that they're going to actually take Russia or actually take China? I mean, I just don't see how that's a possibility. So it just feels to me like this is all just escalating theater in order to boost up certain industries and march towards certain agendas that we can't quite leaving us distracted with running around thinking, oh, no, nuclear war, nuclear war. And really, they've got something else up their sleeve. Well, I think if you listen to President Biden earlier in his uh, presidency, he seemed almost disinterested in things that were happening. He has a passion for this war. And you listen to his, his the, uh, the speech that you just played. This is not a guy who is just uh, playing games. He is he is very genuine about it. 
and he he's hoping to hold together this NATO coalition, which, you know, these guys over in Europe, they're very nervous about what's going on, but uh, they're all afraid to, uh, to stand up to the United States. I, I really worry that uh, it is genuine, that it's not, it's not some sort of a stage presentation, but it's something that is genuine that has gotten beyond what any one person is likely to control. Uh, we, we seem to be headed. You know, I'd like to tell you that wars are totally rational, but you can go back. I think a good example is what happened with World that. War I. Uh, historians still debate over who was to blame, how the war started, but it started with the assassination of the Austrian uh, uh, Archduke and his wife. And in the end, 14 million people were dead at the end of First World War. And the stage was set for the Second World War that killed another 50 million. This started with two people. And uh, I think here, we're, we're taking steps of phenomenal recklessness. Let me just give you an example. The United States was involved in sinking the flagship of the Black Sea Fleet, the Moskva, named after the, the capital of Russia. 300 young sailors went to the bottom. We probably fired the missiles. We probably controlled them ourselves. We targeted 13 senior Russian field generals for assassination, helped to kill them along working with the Ukrainians. We went beyond, and uh, from what I can tell, there was a there was a drone attack that uh, was launched that went deep into Russia and actually damaged some of their nuclear carrying jet aircraft, some of their nuclear uh, powered or, or, or capable bombers. So this was part of their defensive triad. Uh, we we have various people. We have the the chairman of the House Foreign Relations Committee, who recently agreed with a crazy general who made the comment that we're going to be at war with China by 2025. Now, this is the chairman of the the House Foreign Relations Committee. This isn't just some off the wall character, and yet he's saying, well, you know, there's some merit to what this general says. We seem to be determined to to drive our car at a hundred miles an hour into a bridge abutment. We're just we're just aiming for it, and we we got our pedal to the metal. It's a bizarre time. I've I've never experienced it. I've followed uh, foreign affairs for about seventy years since I was a little boy. I had a fascination with it, and I've never seen us in a situation like we are today. So you think we're headed into not only war with Russia, a hot war, but also one with China as well? I think so. I, wow. And uh, the, the strategy behind that is, it, it is absolute madness. If you wanted to take down these two big nuclear powers, you would do them one at a time. We, for whatever reason, we've got the ball rolling, 
uh, we've decided to take them both down simultaneously. And uh, it, it, it is a terrible strategy uh, for a lot of reasons, but militarily, just, a, just purely militarily, it's a, it's a bizarre strategy. But we're in, a, we're in a time when rational people are not controlling events. Right. Uh, you know, I've always said that uh, unlike some countries, you, you take Russia, uh, President Putin is kind of the ultimate authority. He, you know, obviously everybody has input, but ultimately he makes the decision. In the United States, and particularly with NATO involved too, there is no central organizing intellect behind foreign policy, behind Western foreign policy. It is sort of an amorphous moving blob that's constantly shifting. And you would like to think that there's somebody who can simply turn off the, the switch and say, okay, we're, we're shutting this monster down. But it's not clear that there is. Uh, if we were to go into this hot war from your perspective, would we win? No, um, there would be, the United States would be devastated to the point where perhaps, perhaps 60% of the population would die uh, within, within a period of a month. Um, Western Europe would be very similar. Uh, London would simply be uninhabitable for the next thousand years. Same thing with New York City, with Washington, D.C. Um, there would be places that would be spared. Africa would be spared. Uh, there would be perhaps areas of, of Asia, uh, perhaps Latin America. But Western civilization would die in a nuclear war. And uh, I don't know that it matters to some of the people making the decisions today. It's, it's a little bit eerie to watch it taking place. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And scary, scary that they wouldn't care. Um, scary that they would march us towards us and that they just, you know, for whatever their purpose is, um, it just is absolutely frightening. So, uh, I mean, hopefully we could stop it. Is there any way, do you think that, you know, it just feels, we feel powerless, quite frankly, you know, it just doesn't feel like there's yeah. anything we the people can do. Even if the polls <laughs> show the American people are increasingly becoming less interested in funding the war in Ukraine. It doesn't seem to matter to the politicians, they seem to double down. And then you get the Republicans in the House now, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they, a lot of them have been saying no more money for the war in Ukraine, but then they suddenly change their tune when they get there, or they're really posturing hard against China. So they say, oh, no, war, no money for war against Ukraine, but we'd happily fund it if we were gonna be protecting Taiwan from China. So it just feels like there's no hope for us, we the people. What, from your perspective, can we do? Well, you know, it is it is a bipartisan effort. Now there is a block of uh, there are a block of uh, Republican members of the House who are very concerned about the war and very opposed to it. But these are not the senior people. These are the younger people. They they're not the ones who sit on as chairman of committees. So. Uh, th there is not there's not a block of resistance in the in the Democratic Party. There also was a group that actually sent a letter 
calling for an end to the war. Uh, there were 30 of them, and they sent it to President Biden, and they revoked it the day following <coughs> its delivery. <coughs> so um, I, think, I think what we need to do is just through people like you, we need to get the word out that what the level of, level of danger is, and that uh, uh, there's, no, there's no sense from the American perspective, there is, the American people have nothing to gain from this war, not a single thing. And uh, somehow people have to wake up to it or, or they may discover that we lose everything. Uh, Senator Dick Black, thank you so much for being here. Also, Colonel Dick Black, thank you for being here um, and giving us your insight. You know, you give a lot of insight on your weekly podcast that people can tune into. But, um, you know, scary, I, I scary analysis, quite honestly, but needed to hear for sure. So thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Prophecy of the Nation Automotive Podcast. You guys have held on all, all this time. I appreciate it. Man, oh man, the, the I want you guys to hear this. I want you guys to start sharing it and start, you know, getting the word out. You know, we we are headed in perilous times. He said this is something that he's never seen before. It's because we're in perilous times. We are in the last days. The Bible's being uh, fulfilled. And, um, you know, after you get off the podcast today, you're going to go back. You're going to get off here and you're going to go continue to do what you do out your daily, your daily, you know, uh, schedule fix dinner, talk with your kids, and so forth and so forth. But this is what's really going on right now and what's around us. And we need to be sharing with our children. I shared with, thank you for the info, potassium iodine pills I heard was good. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about there, sis. Uh, Sister Destiny, let me know. Did I miss something? Um, we need to be sharing with our children sharing you know our pastors need to be sharing with the congregation although we know the bible's being fulfilled but this information hits people a little different it's like okay all right the bible says this uh nations against nations and wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and this and that going on oh it's really happening right now it hits so this is this information that i want to get out to you guys to start having a conversation and you driving with your kids like I did today. It's like, okay, Jake, Leah, you know, we're in such and such because you know what, uh, Sister Destiny, you know what, Sister Christina, one day we're going to be in school, God forbid, Jesus' name, but it could be it could be a reality and a war just break off. Even though they say it can happen in American soil, you just don't know because we don't know who's coming across that border. We don't know what they're building from the inside. Trojan wars, so they speak, so they say. So, um, if the war come, help out organs. Oh, okay. Okay, I got what you're saying. So if something breaks loose, you know, we it could happen on American soil. I don't put nothing past anybody. Look at 9-11. We were not prepared for that as far as the American people is concerned. We didn't know anything about it. Now they knew what we, you know, we'll never know. But look how that hit us. Anything can happen at any moment. That's why we got to live ready. Make sure we have our eternity secured with Jesus Christ. Amen. And y'all share with your children, Jesus Christ, and share with them with the biblical things that are taking place 
right now as we speak. So this is Prophet to the Nation. This is what my ministry is about. Once again, I thank you for tuning in. I know some of you got, oh, this political, I don't do politics. It has everything to do with the divine order of God as well. Um, it lines up. Everything that's talking about in the Bible, prophecy is being fulfilled. People will be so ignorant. Just like yesterday, I thank you all for tuning in to uh, the show yesterday, Christians in Yoga. How many uh, people, believers were ignorant to the fact, and they really got upset with me yesterday about talking about that. But I had to let you know, you know, ask yourself, it's this, this simple. Does God move in Hinduism? Does he move in that? No, he doesn't. So why are you involved in it? If you want to stretch, make sure your poses are not honoring false gods, basically. Um, it's common sense. And sometimes, I mean, we had an ex, uh, yesterday we had an ex-psychic tell people the danger of yoga the danger of new age and christians got so upset here you have a person that was full of demonic deviation that's against the bible it's abomination matter of fact i'll get you know um in the word of god um and come out it was delivered and saved now which i'm getting her book it's called psychic to saved um the holy spirit had me have me to read it and i'm going to come back and share with you guys um because of the children that are full of these demonic uh witchcraft is a generation but y'all go back and listen to yesterday's show if you did in the comments just let me know you listened you thought and what you thought about it and make sure you share a tag and so forth for people got so upset uh oh what does that statement mean i can't understand that statement you can't separate hinduism and be a believer in jesus christ they didn't get it well they said they didn't get it okay so we as christians we want to have a little bit one foot in one foot out and that's not the way it goes either going to serve god or you're going to be serving the devil so which one are you going to be so you got to get that in order amen but back to this real quick uh yeah please share guys i'm gonna let you guys go thank you for tuning in to prophet to the nation before we leave we are going to have an invitation to christ so make sure that you share you know and, and i want to say this you guys I, I i get prayer requests all throughout the day every day and what's going on and so forth and 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 i don't really like going live that much anymore on facebook because if you if you realize it be there beginning i used to go all the time have a word all the time it's not but facebook facebook restricts me so much i was i was kind of a little bit scared today to share uh, about today's show because i said nuclear i was like, i don't know they might block me but uh so far so good but here on the podcast, we could talk free and share freely, and it's heard all around the world. So every time you come onto the podcast, please make sure you share and like the show and leave a comment. I appreciate it so much. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Miller. I'm Prophetess Autumn Miller's husband, and I just wanted to take a short minute here and ask if there's anybody out there that does not know Jesus Christ and who he is. And would like to get to know him and have a personal relationship. I would just ask you if you would, wherever you're at right now, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner and have broken your laws. I understand that my sin has separated me from you. I am sorry and I ask you to forgive me. I accept the fact that your son Jesus Christ died for me and was resurrected and is alive today. And here's my prayers. I now know. My heart's open door, and I invite Jesus in to become my Lord and Savior. I give him control, and I ask that he would rule and reign in my heart so that his perfect will would be accomplished in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Congratulations. If you prayed this prayer in all sincerity, 
You are now a child of God. That's right. You roll with God in the kingdom. However, there's still a few more steps that you need to do to follow up your commitment. That would be get baptized in full immersion in water as commanded by Christ. Tell someone else about your new faith in Christ. Spend time with God each and every day. Prayer and in the reading of the Bible, his word. Amen. You all have a blessed day. Amen. I'll be praying for you guys. You guys pray for me. I pray for you. Please share this podcast. Please share, 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 share. Uh, please share yesterday's show, too. If y'all know people that are in the new age, they need to come on out. The new age has nothing to do with God. And we have to be so careful what we get ourselves tied up to. Crystals, uh, yoga, all kind of anything that steers us away from God. It opens up many doors and portals, demonic portals in Jesus' name. Even yesterday, Apostle Harris talked about the time that the guru came in in the, in the show. And he was, evolate, excuse me, he, was, he came in um, on the service and he was um, elevated off the ground. So those type of things, Apostle said, that, that happen in third world countries will be happening here in the United States shortly because the devils be getting to be so bold about the demonic realm. And uh, what we take for granted is going to be happening in these perilous times, the evil times. And the main thing is that we have to be make sure we know what to do when we come across these things. Okay? So thank you, guys. Yeah, girl, you got to go back and, and, and listen. It was really good yesterday. Uh, the Lord put that on my heart, and I wanted to share. And sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, but man, you know, once we hear it, now we got to know what to do with it. What you know, make sure we don't get involved in it because it's to lead us astray, to lead us off of the things of God. Well, you say, well, it's just stretching. Well, you could stretch. Well, just make sure it doesn't have anything to do with Hinduism. That's that's basically what the psychic was saying. A lot of that stuff, different poses represented different gods. So, and that's why he says on the Ten Commandments, the first one is, thou shalt not have the other God before me. So I don't know why the Christians are having an attitude and getting hinky and stinky all about it. We just can't participate in things, guys. We can't participate in everything that goes on in the world. We want to have cocaine in Jesus. No, we got we to gotta get surrendered. We have to surrender. You can't serve both of them. It's either we get delivered or we, you know, get delivered from cocaine and walk with the Lord. And the Lord is the deliverer. He can deliver you from that. Y'all know what I'm trying to say? We can't have both world and Jesus. It's got to be one or the other. We got to live holy because he is a holy God and righteous. Amen. So I try to speak and share with you guys just, um, you know, plainly. And not so speak high above so you guys don't understand it. But sometimes I'm like, man, I made that so clear. I don't understand why people don't get it. But anyways, love you guys. I'll talk to you guys later. God bless in Jesus' name.